Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Midnight Film Review and the Afternoon Yap with Chunk and Dinger. I have a special guest, Chunk. There's no ch- there's no Dinger. It's just Chunk. It's just Chunk. So is this just uh, is this um, Afternoon Yap with Chunk? Is that what we're calling it? Afternoon Yap with Chunk and Midnight Film Review with just Brian. With just Brian, yeah. Uh, our co-hosts uh, had some issues this week. Well, my co-host had some issues and. You had some technical difficulties, so here we are. We have a crossover episode, so we're going to talk about some movies. I saw Belko, the, the Belko experiment. You saw Beauty and the Beast, correct? Yeah, two, two wildly different films. <laughs> and also, I, I, I hate to interrupt you. I am going to use the word film it, as much as I possibly can because you guys never use the word movie. Uh, you guys only use the word film, and you would use the word film for – Something that doesn't deserve to be called a film, like uh, uh, the the centipede movies or whatever those are. <laughs> like the Belko those experiment. Are rotten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm excited to hear about your thoughts about this movie, but keep on going. Uh, like this, I'm turning this into the app where I'm just interrupting you. Go ahead. It's all good. I, and then we're going to talk about some video games, which is your forte. But you you made a sacrifice this week. You're going to talk about The Last of Us. I've been badgering you through emails and text messages. Uh, when I was on your show as a guest, I was like, can we please talk about that sometime? I just want to hear your thoughts on it because it is my absolute favorite game. And then you have a review of Ghost Recon Wildlands, which I have n- I have no idea what this game is about at all. So you're going to have to fill me in. Yeah, no problem. All right, so I'll, okay, well, I'll start off if you want uh, talking about the Belko experiment. Do you know anything about this movie? You've seen previous four, right? Before we get into the Belko spare experiment, because I want to get into that, I, I want to tell you I was listening to your guys's newest episode, and you guys were talking about how bad reboots are and how much you're worried oh, about yes, them. Yes. And Colin is awesome, and he went he, – that guy must have dropped eight or nine F-sharps. <laughs> you must have like really, really hit a nerve this time. Um, for all intents and purposes, I don't really care about reboots. I don't really feel that, that they, they're they ruining any old movies, you know, whatever. If, if a studio wants to take somebody's money, they're going to take it. There's only been one time that I sat in the theater, and it was probably about six years ago. Do you have any idea what that movie would be? And I'll tell you what, it's a horror movie as a hint. Evil Dead. No, not the Evil Dead. I'm glad you brought that up, though. They did a good job on that but i didn't understand the the eights and nines going into the movie i mean it's it's a it's not a fun movie it's a torture porn movie that has the evil dead name to it but i mean it's shot well there's some fun stuff in it but all of the comedy all of the fun stuff that you love about the evil dead series was kind of stripped away and you can see i mean the movie did really really well but we we haven't gotten the uh, the gritty sequel, and I I just I don't need it. That that wasn't what I was looking for. Well, the I'm, movie. I'm glad you ahead. said that. I'm glad you said that because I actually enjoyed that film a, a little bit. I I didn't love it. It wasn't. I wasn't like ah. Oh. If if it was called just like um, Dead Evil, I would have been perfectly fine with it. Like the Evil Dead, it had nothing to do with any of the other film really, other than they're in a woods and they're possessed. But yeah. 
every everything's all fine until you heard a dog and about a two hour and about an hour and a half into the movie they heard a dog and i was like that's crossing a line yeah that's a good point all right so the, well, well what movie is it then I, I i'm i don't know nightmare on elm street oh god i forgot i went so, that out of my mind I so I went there with one of my good buddies, uh, Kyle, and me and him used to go to every single movie, didn't matter what it was. But Nightmare on Elm Street has always had this huge special place in my heart. I, I grew up watching those movies. I mean, I probably have watched the original seven movies. I, I mean, I have the box set. I've watched them dozens and dozens of times. There's a part in the movie. I mean, forget about forget about, you know, the makeup that might be CGI, you know, forget about. John Haley Williams or whatever he is, <laughs> yeah. not not being as charismatic as um, I can't remember the original Freddy Krueger's Robert, name. Robert England. Robert England. There's a part in the there's a part in the movie about an hour in where they make a comment or they make a suggestion that Freddy Krueger is a child molester. <laughs> yeah. And this was a packed theater, and literally I went, "What? Like, <laughs> how, like." Talk about talk about. There's a bunch of guys in a, in a boardroom making decisions, and one guy raises his hands. And I, I feel like when they're making these reboot movies, there's there's always one person in there that wants to make a change that is fundamentally different than why you liked Nightmare on Elm Street to begin with. At at no point there's there's seven original Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and at no point is it ever suggested suggested that Freddy Krueger is a pervert. You know why? Because it takes all the fun out of it. It takes all the camp out of it. And, it, you know, you go and you kill teenagers because they're having sex and they're smoking pot. You don't just prey on them. I mean, I, it, that movie sucked. Well, it, and it, it, that, it, that was the one time, that was the one time where I was like, just just send out a questionnaire to like 100 <laughs> fans and say, do you think that this is an? And it, they didn't. They basically maybe said like one sentence, and it was that one sentence that damned like the entire idea and the arc, and just even trying to go back to those original series. That's that's my rant. I, I like I said, I got passionate when I heard Colin because, man, you guys went off, off <laughs> well, on I th- the Matrix. I just think that we are both. Uh, well, first let me say I agree with you with the, with the Nightmare on Elm Street thing too because. That movie, the the original was pure camp, and what they tried to do with the new one is just they tried to make it a a serious, evil, scary movie. Where which I, I was never. I mean, I'll be honest. Friday, Friday the Thirteenth to me was I felt more tension than I did in any of of the Freddy movies because he's so charismatic and so funny. Yes, he's creepy. He's creepy as all hell. But I never once was like I had bad dreams because of. Of Freddy. I know that there are people out there that will swear that it's the scariest movie on earth, but I love the way that he just would make make jibes at at the kids he's killing. I I thought it was hilarious. I thought part of the appeal of Freddy Cougar was his personality, but they well, sh- oh, stripped yeah. all that away. I mean, well, welcome to prime time, bitch. I mean, like yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that's that's I, I I watch horror movies, and horror movies are is probably one of my absolute favorite genres. But I always, I always want to have that element of fun. It's, it's when you take it too serious, and it's when it's, it's actually disturbing that I'm no longer having fun anymore. And I mean, to teach his own. I mean, you know, horror's been around for whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll, they're going to either have a new Nightmare on Elm Street or they'll reboot it again. So, uh, the Matrix thing, I. 
I think we both were so passionate about it just because, you know, we do this podcast every week and we just see how much shit gets turned out by these studios and it's all for money. And I don't know. I if if you remake a movie like The Matrix, I just I think that the idea behind it was something that was new, it was fresh and it was something that was completely out of the box for that time. And now it just it's going to be it's going to be it's not going to be good. There I just can't see how it could ever live up to the expectations of Matrix fans and these studios sink millions, hundreds of millions of dollars into these movies. And I feel like they don't, they don't really care about story. They don't care. And that's honestly, that's why I love movies. I I love hearing. I can, I love stories. I can listen to, I'm weird. I can listen to podcasts that just tell stories because I just like hearing people tell stories. I love whether it's visual audio. I love stories. I could honestly, that's why I love listening to your guys' podcasts because a lot of times it's off the rails and you guys are just telling stories. I, I'm, I love to be entertained that way, but if the story is boring and it's, it's something I've already seen or it totally destroys, uh, what came before it, then I, I I have a problem, but I, I I don't, I don't begrudge anybody for, for making money. The problem is, is that the reboot could be better than two and three. I mean, one was a really good movie and then I, I could have cared less for two and three. So, yeah, that's true. You, you make a good point there. Um, let's talk about the Belco experiment. You want yes, to? Yes, please. Let's do this. Yeah. So I, I saw, um, I actually went and saw two movies, uh, just recently last month I saw get out. And then I also saw John wick two. And this, there was a clip for this movie before both of those movies. And I, I, it looked like an okay premise. I mean, I like the, the, Hey, it's got uh, Dr. Cox in it. Yeah, this movie has a great cast. It has great has a great director. Actually, have you ever seen uh, Wolf Creek? I know you're a horror fan. Have you ever watched the movie? The, it's an Australian movie. Um, I think it's based on a true story. Uh, some hitch or some like uh, tourists get kidnapped by a guy and held in a cave. Well, it's funny that you say, have you ever seen that movie? Because I watched the trailer today and I was like, they said from the director that brought you Wolf Creek. And I was like, well, what's Wolf Creek? You know, like <laughs> yeah, they should have yeah. let off with something better than that. <laughs> well, it's an actually a decent horror movie. It's not it's it's a low budget movie and it's it's tense at time. And the fact that it's a true story kind of gives it a little bit of weight. Uh, but he, he's a capable director. So his name's Greg McLean. He directed Wolf Creek. He directed the Belko experiment. But here's the thing. This is why I was super excited about it. We hadn't really talked about it on the podcast. But James Gunn, the writer-director of Guardians of the Galaxy, the writer-director of Slither, great wh- horror mind, wrote the script. He wrote the script for, for the Belko experiment. Um, are you a fan of James Gunn? Did you like Slither? I really enjoyed Slither. Uh, what was the other movie? Oh, and Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy? Of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, Slither was a fun movie. Yeah, and so I, I, I was thinking in my head, okay, we got this this director who who knows what he's doing, and we have this writer who is really really good at uh, kind of quirky humor, and I, I really like James Gunn's humor. Uh, this movie is not funny. It's not scary. It's ultra-violent, and at sometimes at the, for – it, honestly, you know what I felt like I was watching? I felt like I was watching an Eli Roth film. I felt like I was watching uh, Cabin Fever or Hostel where it was – Pushing the boundaries and, and 13 years too late. Exactly. Yeah, if this movie came out maybe 13 years ago. It might have been reviewed better and it might have been a little bit more uh, shocking. But the, the, you know, 
for all the good casting, there's so many kids. There's a ton of characters in this movie. I mean, so the premise starts off with they're locked into this office space and, you know, voice comes over. It's this experiment. They're seeing how people will react in these situations. They pretty much say, okay, you have uh, 60 minutes to kill six or to kill 30 people or we kill 60. And it's an interesting premise uh, until you realize like, you know, people are going to go into survival mode. Probably you're going to break into factions. You're going to start trying to figure a way out of this situation, but it just, it never, it never evolves into anything more than a splatterfest. It never, it, it doesn't like, I don't know what it's trying to say. Like there's no social commentary on the workplace or the economy. You know, these types of films usually have some kind of larger, grander meaning to what they're saying. And it just, I feel like the director was like, how, what's the best way I can kill somebody? And there's some creative ways that he finds. I mean, there's some, some, some gory deaths. There's, there's one chick. For a lot of people, for a lot of people, that's just a way to make a horror movie. Did you ever see the remake of Piranha? That whole movie is just different, funny ways of killing people. But I, I haven't seen the movie yet, but if, if he doesn't have creative, funny ways to kill somebody, then that, once again, I digress. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Go ahead. No, but that you kind of that's a good point. And it's not it's not even like none of the ways are funny. Like it, they're brutal and they're like and it's it's a savage film. There's nothing that's like quirky or goofy or uh, even. So have you ever seen the movie Battle Royale? Uh, no. Uh, refresh me. Um, so it's a Japanese movie. Where, so a lot of people accuse Hunger Games of ripping off Battle Royale. This was, I think, twenty years ago was made, and these school kids get kidnapped and taken to this island where they have to fight to the death, and only one person can survive. Um, it's a it's a really good movie. If you don't mind uh, subtitles, I would highly recommend it. Um, is it a good movie or is it a good film? It's a good film, <laughs> Chunk. It's a good film. Uh, no, but so this movie has a lot of comparisons to that because obviously people are locked in a confined space they're trying to kill each other but i never i never got a sense that the i i'm not going to spoil it because i don't like doing that for any movie even movies i hate but there is a there is a definitely a feeling very early on that you know exactly what's going to happen in this and that the people who survive are the people who should who who are going to survive? You know they're going to survive. I, I I feel like I'm spoiling a little bit, but I mean, if you go into this movie, just don't expect much. That's my whole point. And I I, I don't want to say that I hated it because I there I did kind of get lost in moments of of the movie. The script is pretty tight. It's um, there's lots of holes in it. It's not very. It's it, okay. So I I just that was an oxymoron. The script is tight as far as the way that the that the characters are written. The dialogues is good, but there are huge plot holes in this film. Um, they they don't do a good job of editing this movie, and some of the fight scenes are very, very, very schlocky and and not very well put together. So, I would say don't see this movie, and I would probably grade it as a C minus. Um, it's not inventive. It's not satirical. It's not funny. Uh, yeah. Well, just just watching the trailer, like. Whenever a gun goes off, I heard a lot of like uh, forced blood splatter. So, oh god, uh, yes. 
Is it is it like over the top, like execution style killing, or is there anything fun about it? I mean, my problem is is when I saw the movie, I actually they did a good job with the trailer. I got kind of excited about it, but if it's if it's serious in tone, like I have no desire to see that whatsoever. But I mean, if there's if there's funny elements in about it and there's quirky parts to it, I'm all for it. See, it 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 kind of toes the line. It doesn't it doesn't fully go one way or the other and i think that's my biggest problem is i expected it to be more on the funny quirk like think of slither that movie was ridiculous and i expected that kind of of i that kind of gore where like you know somebody's entire body blows up and it's just so it, the, the, the the that kind of thing isn't here the deaths are realistic and violent and that would be fine, but at the same time, it's like the walls are painted white so you can see the blood. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like the st- it's like a sterile white environment just getting destroyed with blood and guts just so you can see the blood and guts and brains hanging off the wall. And it's just not it's it's not a good it's not good. I I just I didn't had I had no appreciation for it. I wish is I it too far? Is it too far in the violence category, like the Rob Zombie movies? I remember seeing that, like American whatever, back in the theater in college, and you leave that movie going, "Why? Why was this movie even greenlit? <laughs> yeah. Like, who wants to see this shit? Like, I don't want to see this stuff." There were some fun moments in the House of Ten Thousand Corpses, but the movies that he kept on making afterwards were just these sick experiments with violence and ugh, like just I don't want any part of that. So if if it goes if it's in that kind of category, I mean, count me out. But I, uh, the casting I thought looked pretty great. I don't know what the ca- the actor's name is that is he looks like the main guy in it. He's the guy that in the trailer who goes, "I got a family." But yeah, I think t- he's the actor from Scandal. Tony Goodwin, I think, is who you're talking about. I immediately recognize that guy because he's in one of the first seasons of Tales from the Crypt, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah. like he's and he's in a killer episode where his brother puts him under or something like that. But um, I, I I like a lot of the actors in that movie. It's just it's a shame that that it's a C minus. It's not any lower than that. No, I, because I, here's the thing: is I think that um, it I, I I always try to to judge a film on what they are trying to do versus um, like how good how well it's made, if that makes sense. And I think that this film um, it was actually well made. I don't think that it completely did what it was trying to do. Um, if it, if it did, this movie could have easily been an, an A, but I, you have to be, I only, I, I reserve below C minuses for movies like tr- Transformers and stuff like that. I, it's, I had a little bit of fun in this movie, put it that way. Not a lot. Well, from the trailers, it looked like, it looked a lot like a movie that was made like four or five years ago and they weren't sure when they were, it got shelved for a little while and you they, know, that they're could finally be now releasing it. Yeah, that could be true. I could definitely see that with, with this movie. Um, it's so violent. Like, I, I don't care about violence. Like, I'm not a person that is like, like John Wick was a violent movie, but I loved it, you know. But it just, I, I again, I just hate. There, so, like, there's there's a lot of like classical music playing over people who are getting murdered with axes, and it's just not funny. It's not original. It's not. That's all. Yeah, that's all cheap. Um, uh, what did you say, Eli Roth stuff? Yeah. Like, it's been done. Exactly. So that's my review of Belko's experiment. I would say if you want to see it, wait till it comes out to rent and, you know, you're maybe want to get stoned and watch a movie. I don't know. No, I wouldn't recommend it. So talk, tell me about Beauty and the Beast. Should I see Beauty and the Beast? Well, I mean, 
you're going to see it if your wife grew up with Beauty and the Beast. Like, how, how about that? You know, I remember this movie has been geared towards ladies since they announced it. I mean, they've been showing trailers for this movie on every episode of The Bachelor Every episode of The Bachelor for the last month. I mean, Disney knows their crowd. But I'm only saying this because I, I saw Beauty and the Beast one time when I was a kid, and I was probably nine years old, and I saw it in the theater, and immediately it wasn't for me. You know, for 30-year-old dudes, you know, they look back on Disney films that they love and they and they remember fondly, and it's Aladdin and it's um, The Lion King. Yeah. But for my wife, this uh, – for – for Disney movies like this and for my wife, these are movies that changed her life when she was a kid. These are movies that – like I'll see her with her friends and the song will come on Pandora and they know all the lyrics. So she, she's been excited since day one and I, I honestly hadn't seen the original Beauty and the Beast um, – I just saw it probably six months ago because it came out on Blu-ray. I mean, coincidentally enough, they're going to put out the nice repackaged Blu-ray <laughs> right. six months before the movie comes out. But there's there's actually a lot of stuff to like about the new movie. But it all goes it all goes hand in. It's hard for me to differentiate between people that have fondness for the original source film and well, I mean, I'm digressing. There's what ten different versions of Beauty and the Beast. At least, yeah. I mean, it's some some things that are really good about the movie. Josh Gad, like I, I absolutely love that dude. I he's got an excellent voice. He's he's funny. Um, you know, if they ever do a, a, a live action version of um, what what's the musical that he was in, uh, um, the Mormons. Uh, what was that? That's oh, where he got to start from. Uh, the Book of Mormon. Yeah, the Book of Mormon. Like that's where I got introduced to that guy. So he's really funny. Like they they have all of the original songs. Uh, from the original movie, they include a couple of actually new extra songs. Um, but you know, as we were going into the theater, uh, my wife made one comment, and she's 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 basically reviewing the movie at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's it's hard for me to review this movie objectively because I have no love for the source material. Right. Um, but her first thing that she said was, "I just I really wish that the Beast wasn't CGI and." Mm. He he doesn't look great. Uh, they would have they would have done a much better job if they would have used practical effects, if they would have just used makeup. Um, but can I interrupt for a second? Go ahead. That's always the case. Yeah. That's it. I just that's I, I practical effects when it comes to this kind of thing, it's always better. Sorry. No, that's fine. Um, so. Like I said, it's it's tough for me to review this movie, but I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I'd probably give it a nice solid eight. Uh, the uh, Emma – is it Emma Watson? What's yeah, her name? Yeah, the actress? Emma Watson, you know, you, you know she, it. She did a fantastic job as Belle. Um, it's, 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 it's pretty funny at times, um, but uh, for the most part, um, you're probably going to end up seeing this movie with your wife or with your children. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what uh, people comment about – um, how much they liked it, but for the most part, it's um, it, it was it was pretty good. It's about a seven. Yeah, I so we we were trying to debate on whether or not we should we should review this movie um, when we were trying to plan on doing a show. This movie did uh, three hundred and sixty million dollars opening weekend for. I, I think it's like number six or seven opening. What, yes, like. Like literally, we my wife bought tickets for this movie three weeks ago, and we went and saw it on a Monday 
at five o'clock. So that, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that is, I mean, it's so crazy to me to think, you know, you, you, you buy tickets for the next star Wars, you, you buy tickets for the next Lord of the Rings movies. It, we're like getting tickets early for the beauty and the beast live action film. It was, it was pretty common. You know, it's, it's funny because you, you nailed it. I think, I think you were hundred percent right. I, have no affinity for Beauty and the Beast. I've obviously seen it when I was younger. I could care less about about this. And I it was on my. I knew that it was going to be a decent movie because. Have you watched any of these uh, live action remakes? I thought Jungle Book was great. Yeah. I, uh, but the the thing that Jungle Book did that the Beauty and the Beast doesn't do is Jungle Book. There, it's not. It doesn't feel so much like a musical. Where Beauty and the Beast very much feels like the original Beauty and the Beast. I mean the uh, the first. The first hour of this new Beauty and the Beast is almost beat for beat, scene by scene, like the exact thing as the original cartoon. Wow. To the point where I kind of knew where it was going. And then towards the like middle and end of the movie when they started changing things up, um, like that's when it became shocking. But I uh, – go ahead. No, I, I – uh... I know that I'll have to see this movie. We've we've already, my wife and I have already talked because I, I I made a I made a like, I said something uh, like oh we may end up seeing Beauty and the Beast because it did so well and the whole experiment only had only made four million dollars opening weekend four million versus uh, one hundred and sixty five million domestic three hundred sixty million worldwide for for Beauty and the Beast that's effing insane uh, mm-hmm. but yes I know I'll have to see this movie but I had no clue that it was going to be this big uh, I and. I'm, I, first of all, I hate musicals and yeah. this, when you said that, I was kind of like, ah. like I really enjoyed jungle. the music, the music in jungle book is like kind of just, it kind of flows a little bit, you know, Bill Murray singing, you know, it's just whatever. I, so there's a lot of songs in this, I'm guessing. I mean, like I'm saying, if you go, if you watch the cartoon and then you go and watch this version, they very, very, very study the source material so that the, not only are the songs extremely similar i mean there's there's two new songs and even and even they kind of feel like they would fit in the original movie and yes there is a lot a lot of singing and dancing so what do you think your wife will, would, would give this was she super satisfied in this oh she left happy uh, she she gave it an eight or a nine i mean i think her review walking into the movie was the exact same walking out of the movie. We're just saying, you know, the beast would have looked a lot better if they just would have used practical effects. But uh, I mean, they, they did a really good job. Um, it'll be interesting to see where these, these, these Disney live action movies are going because now they've created this kind of weird cash cow because at first, what did they start off with? Like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And they were really starting with these movies that aren't beloved, you know, yeah. quote unquote. And once they announced beauty and the beast, I mean, no wonder that the ticket sales were as high as they were. Like, like I said, like, my wife and her friends, like that is their bread and butter of their childhood. Whereas I like I think in the theater I saw some girl singing and I was like, I'm out of here. Where's you know, where's the where's Aladdin? You know, where's yeah. where's the Lion King? And it, it'll be it'll be fun to see Aladdin. They've already announced that, you know, they are gonna pick uh Middle Eastern actors yes. for this, you know. And um and you would think that uh, Lion King would have trouble, but they did an awesome job with the CGI in the Jungle Book. So, I mean, I remain confident that that'll be good, too. But here's a question the, for the, you, Junk. Go ahead. So 
if if they use CGI, okay. So the Lion King, there are no human characters. So you know, we talked. You know, Pete's Dragon just came out a few months ago. That was uh, you know the CGI dragon. You have Beauty and the Beast. There's some you know humans, some CGI. Jungle Book, a human, mostly CGI, but there's a human character in there. Lion King is no, there's no human, so they're gonna be using CGI. How is that considered live action? Uh, because they'll probably be filming it against live action sets. That's the only thing I can think of. And, and just to, just to totally digress, didn't isn't Jungle Book the the John Favreau film? None of that was filmed like on any. That was all CGI, right? The backgrounds were CGI too, or am I totally wrong? No, you're 100 percent correct. That was all filmed. That's on unbelievable. <laughs> I thought it looked good. Like I am, am I am I way off? No, it looked I, awesome. I, mean, it, I agree. It, it looked me. awesome. I mean, I thought uh, Colin had some comments about the way that the uh, cats walked, but I, dude, I thought that, like, if you told me that that was a real cat, I would have, I would have been like, okay, that's a, that's a, that's a real animal. You know what I'm looking forward to is the live action remake of the 1960s or 1970s um, Robin Hood, and for them to do a remix of, you know, what the most. This song will be stuck in your head for the next two weeks. Is that? I know I mean, you will find yourself tomorrow being like, "Damn it, chunk!" But that is like in the height of the 1960s and and what a Pete's Dragon and all of that kind of hippie yeah, Disney yeah. stuff. It'll be it would be really funny to see a fox dressed up like like Robin Hood. <laughs> but Beauty Beauty and the Beast, I, I'm I'm just telling you, it, it, it from a review standpoint, it is very much like the original cartoon, and it is very much geared towards young girls. There's it, it's mostly a musical. You know, it's mostly a story about a girl who's different and and falling in love with this beast or whatnot. So it's it's got the same plot problems as the cartoon did. You know, why would some enchantress come and put some curse on this guy yeah. for no reason whatsoever? You know, why when Belle leaves to go back to her village, does she not get attacked by wolves and then the same on the way back? But if you watch these movies back to back the movie wrote itself. They didn't, they really didn't change all that much. There's some, there's some things that they changed about Belle's mom and stuff like that. But for the most part, they really stuck to the original movie. I, I guess that's a good thing. I mean, I don't remember, honestly, I don't remember much about Beauty and the, the Beast, the cartoon at, at all. So that, that kind of makes it okay. I feel like for me to go see it again, I'll probably actually be on the edge of my seat a, a little bit more. If I, you know, if it, I well, honestly, you know, going into Jungle Book, I, I was like, man, I already know what's going to happen in this. I don't know how good this can be, but I totally got swept up in the story. And uh, I, I mean, I think this goes back to reboots. Like, you can reboot certain things, but you do not screw with a six-year-old girl's favorite cartoon <laughs> when she was a kid. You, you just don't. Yeah, right. There was a girl sitting beside my wife that was in college, and she kept on leaning over to her friend and saying was this part in the cartoon? And my wife was ready to stand up and strangle her being like, first off, watch the goddamn movie before you come to the theater. And second off, shut the hell up. You know, like this is, this belongs to me and right. you're taking it away from me. <laughs> That's so true though. You are, you nailed it. Uh, 
I don't know. I, I, I think that, like I said, I will definitely probably end up seeing this. I know my wife wants to see it. When I told her that I might have to see it without her, she was like, well, you're going to see it again. And I was like, okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm actually looking forward to it. I, I Just not necessarily looking forward to this, to this movie as much as I'm looking forward to the experience of seeing it with my wife. And yeah. I, I think you're kind of in the same boat. I mean, I, I could tell I could tell that she was happy and and I had just I like I said, I just watched the movie with her six months ago. So I kind of knew the songs and even I was kind of enjoying. I mean, they 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 do it really, really well. But it is it is a heavily musical influenced movie. And the ending is actually pretty impactful. Like, uh, you know, the casting all around was really good. Um, but I, like I said, if you got a wife that's dying to see it, you are going to see it. Um Otherwise, it's it's nothing. If you're if you're a dude, um, <laughs> I mean, you'll you know wait till it's on Netflix, I guess. Unless you're a dinger, and then he'll probably see it two or three times. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure that whenever it was in, you know, they were showing credits for it before one of the movies, he was leaning over to his daughters, going, "That doesn't look very good." The uh, <laughs> the look of that CGI on that beast, it does not look very good at all. <laughs> They they seriously have to stop that. I don't I don't understand. I don't, the uncanny valley is always going to stop or is always going to hinder how good that stuff looks, and it, they they just can't ever really pull it off. I mean, I get so we're digressing, but that's what we do on both of our shows. I get using uh, CGI because it's easier for the actor. It, it cuts down on time shooting, but man, it just it, using makeup. We have awesome makeup artists. I mean, we have. Suicide Squad was a horrible movie. It did win an Oscar for its makeup, and for good reason because the you know when you use actual makeup or, or prosthetics, it just makes so it's just such a big difference in uh, how the the film is viewed and uh, the emotional investment that you have in those characters. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, see the problem is Lord of the Rings did such a great job, uh, and people just fell in love with it. But that was a huge labor of love and a ton of money was sunk into that you know so i blame i blame peter jackson well yeah i mean they they had pre-production on that movie for years and years and years but once again i digress um you know if your wife is going to drag you to see it you might actually kind of enjoy it um but but it is a movie but it is it is a musical i mean oh god uh nobody nobody sings well maybe you you sing a lot i can see you walking around singing but you, you're, you'd be singing like 15 or something. You wouldn't be singing like, I've got a ribbon in my hair and where's my yeah. lover? Uh, <laughs> you uh, want to take a quick break? Yeah, let's take a quick uh, uh, break for our commercials and we'll come right back. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, Brian, um, what is one of the most uh, obnoxious things that you run into whenever you have to get on a commercial airline? What What do you hate the most about flying? Oh, God, I I absolutely hate f- flying. But if I'm beside a rather large person or a baby, those are the two worst things that can happen to me on a flight. But bar I mean, none. The, the, the list of things that are obnoxious just go on and on and on. Now, the good people at moral implications, they know this. They're, they're not, you know, we've done our research. They've done their research. And uh, moral implications wants to introduce this new product, and it is called First Class Baby. Do you know what First Class Baby does? 
No, no is it some kind of like um, some kind of toy for your child to keep it calm? On a it flight? sounds kind of. It sounds kind of like that. So what first class baby is is you know when you get on the airplane and you you have to walk past first class and you see all these snooty people with their feet up and they're eating these gourmet pizzas and and they're talking on their phone and they're yes Johnson I want to close that million dollar deal and you just these people they just make you sick and you got to walk past them and and you go and you sit down in your coach seat first class baby, what we're going to do is you're going to buy a nice synthetic baby that actually, it actually looks, feels, talks, acts like a real baby. And then you know what you're also going to do? You're going to buy it a first class seat. So you're going to bring this baby up. You're going to put it in its seat and you're going to go, oh, don't worry. My baby's really, really good. And they'll be like, okay, we're first class people. We're not going to act like we're upset. And then once that plane takes off, all hell breaks loose. First bit. <laughs> First class baby is going to cry. First class baby is going to boop its pants. It's going to have real synthetic, real odor. It's not, you know, obviously we're not filling this fake baby with poop, but it's going <laughs> to smell bad. It's going to shout. It's going to it's going to burp. You there's all kinds of different things that this baby can do that you can upgrade it to. And the number one thing that we want to do is troll all of these rotten SOBs that are in first class. Doesn't that sound like something that you want in so, your home? So basically, we're getting back at the 1% finally. We're finally p- putting it over on the man. Well, not only that, but this baby is self-aware. And the the beauty about this is is most babies or most self-aware creatures, they would go, huh, I'm, I'm actually a robot that has been programmed to do something. Maybe I should go live my life. This baby is in on the joke. Like it is all for – what what you are purposing it for so you're going to put it in that seat you can you can get an upgrade where the baby just spins its head and vomits all over everybody in first class and you're just going to sit back and you're going to laugh and you're going to laugh and you're going to laugh and it's all because of the good people at moral implications the baby costs 89.95 that's not bad that's worth it and, and and for for the rest of your life, you you're gonna be able to bring on first class baby. You can dress it however you want to. You can make it any color that you want to, any gender that you want to. But its main main purpose in life is to just piss off the first class people. I think that that's brilliant because uh, I've never sat first class. Have you? No, I've never sat first class. And, you know, I, th- I think that that's actually funny because I've never sat first class and I'm actually going to go out of my way to spend a bunch of money <laughs> for some fake baby to actually ride first class. And not only do you have to spend the ninety nine ninety five to get the first class baby that is actually aware of its surroundings, but you have to buy the first class ticket for it. But we also have a crowdfunding project. Yes. That, so so people can actually pitch in. So – it's going to be one guy that actually has the first class baby and then everybody else can you there's an app for it and the good people at more applications run this app it's called the first class baby app and you can actually crowdfund different seats for different flights and boom yeah this is a i mean this is this is this is bringing trolling to the 21st century 
Well, not only that, think about the implications. Think about if there's a terrorist attack on this plane and this baby and all of a sudden we start going crazy and this baby is vomiting and the, the terrorists are going to look at this baby and they're going to go, we, we can't we can't continue this. Like, <laughs> how dare I even eat meat? You know, like they're like, we've got to take care of this baby. I mean, there are so many different things that we can that the first class baby can do other than just trolling the good people in first class. Man, that's Homeland Security should uh, put in some investment in this, I think, then. I mean, that's first class baby. 89.95. You can order it at uh, um, moralimplications.com, and you can download the app. Wow. Thanks for the sponsor, Moral Implications. uh, They're a big funder of your podcast. Oh, I mean, yes. I mean, they are a major sponsor. You know, maybe, uh, maybe we get them to sponsor the Midnight Film Review sometime. Oh, I'd love that. They would actually they would love that. <laughs> All right, I think we're going to be uh right back with some some video game reviews, correct? Yep. All right, Chunk. This is the moment I think that uh our listeners have all been waiting for. We're going to talk about The Last of Us. This video game, to me, I, to, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the, you're the video game expert, but to me, this is the best game of all time. Oh, Jesus. I was not expecting that question. It It is not the best game of all time. It is a fantastic, it is the best, probably the best PlayStation 3 game. Um, it probably looks the best, runs the best on the PlayStation 3. It is hands down the most the the best zombie type experience survival horror game but no we're we're far away from the best game Wait, don't you think that okay I, I again i don't know very much about video games i just recently started playing witcher 3 and i think that's an amazing game too but don't you think that this has one of the best stories of any video game it's it's definitely a heavy story i mean there are there are parts in that game where i had to actually stop the game because of how heavy the story actually gets there. I mean, there's, there's parts where um, you meet characters and they commit suicide just because of like the bad things that are happening around them. I mean, the story, it's not a story that is a zombie apocalypse story. It is very much just the story of this guy and this girl dealing with the the surroundings that they have. Um, But yeah, it's a fantastic story. Now, how do you when you I listen to your podcast a lot you review video games uh you guys are awesome at reviewing video games but a lot of times when you review a a video game you'll take it you know level by level especially with the older games uh the newer games you'll you'll talk you'll you'll use all kinds of slang like rpg and uh side scroller what for those listening to the midnight film review that may not be as uh inclined video video game inclined can you get, kind of fill us in a little bit on on it, it it's an action survival horror so i mean for the most part you are going to be doing a lot of shooting you're going to be doing a lot of melee attacks um but if you ramp up the difficulty you can actually most of the game is played in stealth um and that is actually the key way to play it is to play it on the hard mode and that's when you are literally doing really, really fun stuff like knocking on walls, trying the clickers. Once you run into them a couple of hours into the story, they're the real bastards in this story. And they are the guys that are going to take you down. You're going to run into a lot of gunfights and the gunfights are kind of they're not ho-hum. They're they're very exciting. But you've seen a lot of that in um, Naughty Dog's other game, uh, Uncharted. Um, but there's other elements that they've included in this game that is the survival horror elements 
I mean, for one, there's a lot of crafting in the game, and whenever you are crafting, you have to craft in real time. There's no pause button. So you have to, if you are going to be making um, something to heal you, you better not have any zombies or clickers around you because they're going to come after you. Uh, it's very much a survival horror game in the fact that you are going to end firefights with little to no bullets. Yeah, and that's one thing I really loved about this game. I'm a huge Resident Evil fan, too. Uh, that game kind of set the standard uh, for all for the genre, I think. Am I correct in saying that? I think Resident Evil 4 and The Last of Us are comparable in uh, uh, survival horror as being, like, the absolute best. Uh, I mean, Resident Evil 4 started that back in 2005, and I actually just played the HD remake of that maybe six months ago. It still holds up to this day. The Last of Us takes that. It, it, it gives it a much better story. I mean, that's the problem with the Resident Evil, the old games, is it's just it's a B-movie story. But with The Last of Us, it is a grown-up doesn't hold your hand, adult story, and it's very much not about the gore. It's not about it's not about the monsters that you run into. It's very much about the dichotomy of the two characters. When you um, when you first played this game, did you did you play it all the way through? Did you take your time? How did, how did you play this this game? I I didn't put it down. I I, I probably beat it in less than a week. I mean, it, it was one of those games and, you know, it, it came out, it was one of the last games to come out for PlayStation three. And then when the PlayStation four came out, they actually uh, put out a special edition of it, which runs in 60 frames per second and is in 1080p and looks absolutely gorgeous. And I played it again and I played, I played the main story again and I actually played the DLC that came along with it. How, and how it, does that, that work? That's how way. good it is. That's how good it is. I'm like, I had only been a couple of years away from that story and I still wanted to come back. It's a tough story to go back to because of how heavy it is. There's there's no there's no lightness in in this game, in this story. It's very very heavy. It, it, it relies very much on how bad people are just in general and I think it kind of Kind of actually says that in the way that the – I mean, spoilers aside, it doesn't matter. People have actually played this game. At the end of the game, you pretty much decide that you want to keep Ellie with you and it doesn't – you know, the, the human race be damned. God, it's – I know. It's so – that's 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 such a – like a powerful moment. You're just like, holy fuck. I just, just – I just said screw everyone else just to keep this girl alive. The, I you know I had a very similar experience. I I got this game um right when it came out for the for the PS3 and I played it in about a week too and I was so pissed that I played it so fast because it was over. And when I got my PS4, the first thing I did was get the remastered and yeah. uh, and played it and it lived up to everything. I I my wife even she hates video games. My wife hates video games, which really sucks. Uh, but she sat there and she watched me play this game and she got kind of like involved in the story. And I was going to say that is bizarre. (laughs) I mean, everybody's wife hates video games. (laughs) So I think that you might have the first wife that will actually sit down. And most of the time when your wife says, I kind of want to know about this, you you say yes. And then you're like, damn it. Why did I say yes to begin with? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the problem is she keeps asking questions while I'm trying to play. That's that was the that's the most annoying part. It's like, so what? Uh, wait a minute, are they related? No, his daughter died early on. He it, she, okay. So who is this girl? And I'm just like, please, just watch, figure it out. 
Um, no, but I this this game is this it, this is my favorite video game of all time. I love this game. That's high praise. Yes, it I is. Mean, I mean, he's. He, I mean, the the first thing that happens at the beginning of the game is his kid dies. So obviously, he's going to be attached to this Ellie when he runs into her, and and you know, it. She is the she's the best character in the game. I mean, Joel is great, but she is kind of the the levity or or the you know, she's the one that is seeing all of this stuff and unfold before her eyes. And she never knew a world without zombies. So that, so that's kind of like the interesting thing Mm -hmm. that is going on between the two characters, you know, and what an awesome thing is, is the, the developers, when they were making the game, they, they thought to themselves, you know, the zombie genre has been done to absolute death, but it is a fun thing to revisit. So the infected, these zombies, it's, it's actually like this fungus, that they took from real life scenarios. I guess that there's a fungus that grows on ants that like is kind of like a mind control thing and it yeah. really exists. And, and that's where they took the idea from because they wanted to be able to tell a story and not just have that kind of dumbass cliche where they're like, um, oh, just, you know, acid rain happened and all of a sudden they're zombies. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, the, the story of this is uh, it's actually a really rich story. That's why I like it so much. I, I say that's my favorite video game, but I'm not a well-versed um, gamer. So that's not uh, that doesn't mean much. Uh, I I really this movie or the sorry, this this um, this game feels like a movie. And that to me was part of its appeal and why I well, love it so much. A big appeal of it is Naughty Dog has always been at the forefront of pushing technology and being cutting edge. And if you go into a bedroom in that game, you're going to see unique posters and books Mm. and like Mm -hmm. everything is just so full and so dense. And it's continued throughout the entire game. So, yes, it's not this huge open world. You know, it it is very much a linear game. You're going to start at one part of the story and you're going to end at the other part of the story. But along the way, I mean, I was absolutely blown away. There is a part where you go you you go to many of these like deserted little towns. But there's one part halfway through the game where you are going through these houses and you, you don't even have to stop in some of these bedrooms. But you can stop in some of these bedrooms and you can look around. And the developers took so much time to fill them and make them look real and make them look dense. And I, I, it's, it's one of those games that kind of reminds me of the first time that I saw Mario 64, where it's so gorgeous and it's so new. And I'm seeing all of this stuff. And it feels like that's what video games is to me. It, 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 every five years, there's a different game. There's a different story. Mm-hmm. And technology just keeps on pushing us forward like that and i it's not my favorite game of all time and and to be fair favorite game of all time can be anything depending on what my mood is but yeah it it is it is definitely an excellent survival horror game uh yeah i know exactly what where you're talking about that little town where you're, you're there's just houses and you can just walk through and it's um it's it's it kind of made me yearn for the world to be open because, like, I just wanted to explore more, which that isn't necessarily the type of game that I like. I like story-driven games, uh, but I, I just wanted to spend so much time in this world that they built. I, I loved it. 
Um, well, it's it's all about pacing too. So they they're trying to create this atmosphere for you. In an open world, you can't do that because you can go from one action pack scenario to another action pack scenario. The reason that you the reason that you walked into that town and there was nothing going on is you were supposed to take a look around and see this is what happened to the world in the last I think it was four or twenty years since it had happened, and that's what it did to me. And there's several times where the game does that. And it's very much, it's very much, you know, because if the game was just running around and bashing zombies or the infected in the head, you'd get sick of that. You need those moments that where things get quiet, to, you know, for everything to soak in. God, you're good. You, that that was <laughs> that was an excellent explanation. I never thought of it that way. Uh, that just that makes so much sense. It it heightens the 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 story and it, and it brings the the game to a different level. That's really well put i i would have never thought that without you saying that to me um can, can we digress for a second because i sure i please. just i want to pick your your mind a little bit about video games uh i mean i like i said i'm not a big gamer i love story driven games i have people recommend games to me all the time and i, I generally like them it, you know I, it's video games it's hard to make a bad video game in my opinion as long as it's entertaining it's doing something for me what what are like your favorites? Do you like RPGs? Do you like story driven games? What I know you I've you've said before on the podcast like you love uh, love Zelda. That was a that you know yeah. you you raved about that game. Um, but can you fill me in a little bit about like what you like? Uh, well, I mean, there's all kinds of different categories. So if you are going for the story driven game, the best story driven game I've ever played, I've ever experienced is the original Bioshock. And I don't know if you know what that's about, but it is about this underwater dystopia. And that dude, Kevin Levine, he set out to make a story-driven game correctly, and he nailed it. Um, But if you're you're going for moments of excitement and and challenge and things that are fun, um, you you go to the Dark Souls because the Dark Souls games actually bring out something in you. They bring out this kind of like – this incredible animalistic excitement of this boss kicking the shit out of you for 20, 30 times. But for some reason you keep on going back. And then when you finally beat him, it's just this moment of unbelievable (laughs) excitement. And then you can go, you can look in the Nintendo world. I mean, there's, there's, there's Mario games that have touched me in different points of my life. Like I said, the first time that I experienced Mario 64 was I just remember being in my room or being at GameStop when I saw it for the first time and, and like looking around a 3D world and and being able to experience something like that for the first time. And it's 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 exciting and it's upsetting at the same time that that uh, virtual reality is coming out as it is, because that is just absolutely mind blowing. And me and Dinger Dog have talked about this. At length, um, the problem is, is it's just too expensive and it's not accessible enough. Um, I'm kind of going off on a tangent. Um, I love the Zelda games because I do absolutely love RPGs. I mean, I'll, I'll throw it out there for you. I'll throw you out just my quick top five. Witcher 3 is probably the best game I've ever played, hands down. Uh, number two, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, and that just uh, came out, or you just reviewed that? Uh... J- just came out. Yeah. and. It's a reason to go get a Nintendo. It's a reason to go get a Nintendo Switch. You, if you're a video gamer, if you're an RPG fan, if you're just a fan of art in general, like find a way to go play that game. And then, and then it's unfair. Bioshock, like I said, I, I absolutely love that game. 
And then I'm a big Castlevania fan and I'm a big Resident Evil fan. So those games always kind of fall into, you know, my top five. Yeah, Bioshock is actually a game that Colin recommended that I play. And I played the uh, the first two. Um, I'm going to start playing the first, probably the third one. But I'm like you you mentioned Witcher 3. I'm in the process of playing that game, um, which is like I feel like it's going to take me the rest of my life to finish that game. But Bioshock, I mean. The, the Witcher, I mean, the, the most exciting thing about The Witcher is, yes, it's not the biggest map. It's not any – it's nowhere near as big of a map as uh, Zelda is. But when you go into these towns, it's unbelievable that you can walk into like all of these buildings and they have animated every every square nook of these buildings that are in these cities. That is the stuff that gets me excited about video games is I'm just – I'm waiting – I, and I've been patiently waiting since I was a little kid to plug in, to put something into my brain or to turn on the TV and be be transported to another world. And we're, we're getting closer and closer and closer. That's awesome. Um, thanks, man. for Chasing the dragon. Chasing the dragon. It's the bunk chasing the dragon constantly. I, uh, I, I just I've. I wanted to ask you about that when I was on your podcast. We just never really had the opportunity. You run a tight ship over there. And I, but I love it. I love it when you ask me about video games. Cause I can actually talk. Cause I found myself in the last like hour and 10 minutes being like, ah, you're like, how was beauty and the beast? And I was like, ah, <laughs> I mean, like I, I like, I don't, I don't know how to express myself with film unless it's something that I'm super passionate about, but I can always relate to video games. Yeah, you definitely you, – you schooled me, and it's kind of the exact opposite. That's why we're doing the show today because I am not <laughs> very good express. I'm like, I really like the story in that video game. Oh, yeah, I, I could explore. Um, yeah, so I'm, thanks for talking to me about The Last of Us too, man. I, I've been badgering you uh, for a while. I just really love that game. It kind of changed uh, my, my world when it came to video games. I was kind of a uh, – just a – honestly, I played a lot of sports well, games and – like Madden and FIFA make, and that was it. They're making a last of us too. And the, the thing is, is that naughty dog is an unfallible. So, uh, they just put out uncharted four, uh, over the summer and it got all of these crazy reviews. And I, when I talked to my buddies that are also big gamers, they were confused with these reviews because it was, it was absolutely gorgeous. It was just as detailed as the last of us, but it, it, there was a lot of repetition, and there was a, it's just, it wasn't as good as one and two. So they're, I mean, they're, they're announcing the last of us two, And then they're also doing another side story for uncharted. So I just, I just, I don't want to see naughty dog going down the path where they're taking on too much. Yeah. Me either. Cause I really loved the last of us and I, and I love uncharted series too. Uh, I, that would be an interesting, I, you know, I would like to talk where, about uncharted. With you where do you go? Where, where do you go with Joel and Ellie? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't understand where you go with them. I, I honestly feel like they have to just take another set of characters and put them out in the wild. And that's whatever. I, I, I didn't want to digress to this, but I, I was originally excited about The Walking Dead when that show started up, and yeah. then it turned, it turned into terrible. And you know, you can, you can, you can keep on bringing up you know, the zombie genre. But if you don't have a good story, if you don't have characters that you like, there's nowhere to go with it. No, I agree. I'm, that was my biggest question is where do you take the story from here? How can it have any more emotional heft than it, than than the first one? 
And does and does Ellie become twenty four years old and they start dating? I mean, like that's not yeah, yeah, that's no. not that's not a weird question to ask, uh, you know. No, I agree in that, you know, not to go back to the Uncharted series necessarily, but the way that the the last – so the, did you play Uncharted 4? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I played The right. ending was awful, and I'm still confused about the ending and why they did it the way they did it and where that's going. And so that kind of gives me a little bit of pause. You, you, know, you know what? It was funny. I was like – Video games for me are very much water cooler moments, so I'm always <laughs> playing it with at least two other dudes. Yeah. If it's a bit, if it's a big release, and now when these guys eventually have kids, which is going to be soon, uh, these water cooler moments are going moments are going to go away. But there's a part in Uncharted Four where he lies to his wife, and it's a very <laughs> yeah. b, it's a very BS lie. And I texted my buddy, and I was like, I believe the fact that he is Indiana Jones. I believe <laughs> the fact that he can kill thousands and thousands of dudes. I do not believe the fact that he can lie to his wife and she just buys it. Yeah, yeah. You, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're, you're not going to the Indian Ocean, dude. Sorry, Drake. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't I don't remember what the story was, but he said something like his brother came back and they're going on an adventure or something like that. And I was like, hold the phone. Like, my wife would be like, no, you're not. And be like, yep, you're right. And that'd be the end. The credits of Uncharted 5, Chunk's, Chunk's Adventure. Chunk's Divorce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chunk's Divorce. Um, anything else you want to say about Last of Us? And then I'll let you take over the show for the rest of the way. Tell us about Ghost Recon. I mean, other than I, I'm excited to see where they're going to take the franchise because I, when I finished that game, I really, and I, I think that Naughty Dog said a couple of times, I, I don't think we're going to do a sequel because of how heavy that story was. But, I, you know, money always tells a different story. I mean, they're making, <laughs> they're making, they've made six Uncharted's, you know, and, and, and actually three of them been, have been pretty excellent, but, you know. If there's people there that are willing to to buy, they're going to make. But I have high hopes for it. I, I think that they probably have – I don't know what the numbers are, but I would say that The Last of Us 2 is going to be treated well. And, you know, as I was talking, I thought about something. You know, Uncharted 3 was made by a different Naughty Dog team. So there was there was reasons why – quality started to dip and I, I i'm curious as to what team is actually working on the last of mm. us too so we we don't know we know nothing i mean yeah, literally right. at, e, at e3 this summer they showed a trailer of like a window and i i, I think they actually might have shown ellie so i think ellie is actually going to come back now if she's with joel that's a whole different question but I, i'm i'm it's a day one for me um, but it also, everything is a day one until I see the reviews. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. But I, you know, I'm with you. It's probably, I, I haven't bought a, a game on day one in, since, uh, man, I don't even, I don't even know when. Uh, yeah. Well, then there you go. Well, you also see three films per week though. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. I'm, I'm actually, you know how I know how to identify with you is I, I should have put a your face on my blue microphone because right now I'm actually like gesturing <laughs> towards that mic. It's so weird doing a podcast with nobody. Yeah, it is. It, it takes a little. It's like I don't know. I can't. Uh, you have to really pay attention to what people are saying, and it's uh, this might be actually be the best. This must be the, might be the better for you because you might actually have to listen to what Dinger says. Oh. Oh yeah, I, I I I'm always trying to listen to what that guy said because he he has all kinds of 
of his jokes are so subtle and they're so funny and, and I miss them. And then I text him a week later and I was like, dude, that was really funny. He was like, yeah, I know. I looked you in the eye and I said that to you. So. <laughs> oh, poor, poor dinger, right? Poor dinger. Poor, poor dinger. All right. Tell us about Ghost Recon. I so, uh, go. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. I just say I. I think I played like one of the original was on PlayStation Two. Is that was that is that? This is this is the eighth iteration of Holy Ghost shit. Recon. Okay. So and I only you know the great thing about rental right now is you can actually go rent new games at Redbox, and so it's been really easy for me to go and rent games and put a few hours in them and be able to review them. Hell, Mass Effect Two just came out today, and you can actually go rent it at Redbox. So Ghost Recon Wildlands is by it's not a game that I wanted to play, I, but I wanted to see it. Mm. And there is obviously an audience for this game because it is the eighth iteration of Ghost Recon. But it's it's an open world tactical shooter game developed by Ubisoft Paris. Oh, I'm sorry. It's the 10th installment. Holy jeez, in dude. Tom Clancy Ghost Recon franchise, and it is the first Ghost Recon game to feature an open-world environment. It just came out March 7th. The game takes place in Bolivia. Um, it's an open-world game. So are you a big GTA fan? Um, I wouldn't say big. I, I like I liked the uh, what GT, GTA 3. That was the big, the big one, right? Oh my God! GTA Three came out when I was in, in two thousand and one. Like, yeah, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you 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 actually missed Vice City and GTA Four and GTA Five, which were all fantastic. I think games. I played so, Vice City. Never mind, you're the film guy. I'm the video game <laughs> exactly. guy. But goddamn, do your homework, man. <laughs> oh, listen, I played GTA. I played I played them up into San Andreas. I just didn't dive into them. Probably the they're the, they're they they are the pinnacle of open world games. They are the pinnacle of that kind of video game where you have an open world, um, you get into a vehicle, you can pick anywhere that you want to go. And when you pick, put get in that vehicle, hell, if you want to change the radio, you can change the radio. And if you want to crash that car into a building and then get into a helicopter and take that helicopter to another, you can do that. They're the ones that have absolutely nailed that. And they nailed that because... They, I mean, I think when GTA 4 came out, the budget was $100 million for this video Jeez. game. And it took, you know, it took five years. You know, for, for movies, $100 million is nothing. But right. for, for video games, like, they were one of the biggest ones to start those big productions. So it's it's an open world game. It takes place in Bolivia. Um, this, the sights and sounds are okay. It's It mostly takes place in a jungle. You can actually go to ice mountains and, and deserts. It's this... It's whatever it's there's a reason why the GTA games are successful and they're good and they're fun. And it's the story never takes itself too seriously. So, yes, it's this violent story. Yes, you can run over prostitutes and and, <laughs> and, and steal their money. And but this like it has all these weird cutscenes where it, it takes place in the, the Bolivia. And there's this guy and it's he's part of the Santa Blanca drug cartel. And he envisions this perfect world where it's a perfect drug state. And it's really, really thorough. Like they really went out of their way to tell a story about this perfect drug world. But the big the big reason that uh, Ubisoft wants you to play this game is it's it is 
uh, GTA with up to four people. So it is an open world action game, and you can bring in three of your buddies. Is this and, the? Sorry, real quick. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, go ahead. Is this the first time that's ever been done? I don't. I've never heard uh, of anything like this before. I I I don't want to say that it is because I'm sure that I'm wrong. But it is the first time that I've seen it. Okay. So take that for whatever for whatever it <laughs> right, means. Okay. But it it is a big full campaign story, and at any time you can so. I mean, I'm digressing a little bit, but you can always play through Gears of War with one or two other buddies. Right. That's a linear story. This is an open world game where you can go do whatever you want to. So I I wanted to see this game. There was a lot of hype about it. Uh, I thought it would be really interesting to bring in the three people. Um, It's not that good. Um, It's. (laughs) It, it looks okay. It runs okay. There are some screen-tearing issues. So I originally played the game on uh, an Xbox One. I played the beta for a couple of hours, and, like, I was like, oh, man, like, the frame rate's okay, but there's, like, all these screen-tearing issues. And I was like, all right, well, the betas aren't a good example of what the final game is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll rent the game, and I rented it on Redbox, our, you know, and uh, I, I rented it on PlayStation 4, which is more powerful hardware, and... It, it ran the exact same way, uh, and and some of the problems that the like people are running into is is we just recently reviewed For Honor, which is another Ubisoft game, and I kept on saying that the servers were bad. So like For Honor is a mainly online game, and so was this game. Like this game, the Ubisoft is telling you, hey, don't play this by yourself. Like screw that. Like grab three people, or like most people are going to do, grab three strangers. Well. If you end up signing up online and grabbing three strangers, they're just going to go do whatever they want to. You're going to you're going to end up with like, you know, a 14 year old and two dudes that are just going and wreaking havoc. It's <laughs> yeah. That's... I mean, the game is the game. Like I said, I, I, I sunk several hours into the beta. I sank several hours into I just I don't know what audience this is. And it's not fair that I'm saying that because. I've never been a Tom Clancy fan. Now, mm-hmm. if I had played a whole bunch of the other games, I there I might be really excited, and I might actually have two or three other friends that I'd say, "Hey, this game is coming out on March seventh. Make sure you get a copy. We're going to play it online." But I'm not. I'm this <laughs> outsider. But just looking at it from face value, playing it, it's just this kind of average open world game. Like I didn't find anything wacky about it. I mean, one of the biggest appeals of GTA, and I'm sorry to keep on comparing it to GTA, but they're the ones that have done this right, is all the zaniness and the wackiness and the crazy things that you can do. I I haven't really – I didn't really see any of that in my, like, brief time with the game. Um, this, This month, actually, the Bolivian government expressed their dissatisfaction over the game's portrayal of the country as a violent narco state. And uh, Ubisoft responded with the following statement. Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands is a work of fiction. Blah, 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 blah. So, <laughs> Jeez. so what, whatever. So, and I think it's funny, too. Like, they didn't need to use Bolivia. They could have named it, you know, Bolivia or, or Tomivia or whatever. But, <laughs> yeah. But they, much like, much like, um, so Ubisoft did this with the Assassin's Creed series. And uh, 
Grand Theft Auto has also done this with their series. They actually went to Bolivia. Uh, developers Bolivia, uh, visited Bolivia for a couple of weeks and asked wow. questions to, to local Bolivians. Like they really put a lot of hard work into this, but it's one of those things where it probably just things kept on compounding and compounding and like, it's just, it's okay. Like, it, you know, there's a reason why like open world games like GTA are as good as they are is because they just have the best of the best working on it. But um, here, here's what's up. This is, that's what I always say on afternoon. Yeah. Here's what's up. If you can rent it, cool, rent it. Um, if you can wait for a steam sale where it's nine 99 and maybe your friends can also get it on PC. I, I'm wondering if it runs better on PC because it does not run particularly well on consoles. And I don't know if it'll particularly run well on the PS4 Pro or not, but it's nothing. And I, I, I don't know who this game is appealing to. I, I didn't get a chance to play it online, so I'm, I'm not aware, but I don't know. I don't know if I'd have found any more fun in it playing it online. Wow. That's a, that, that, I mean, that kind of sucks, right? I mean, if that's the way that the game is meant to be played, or at least your your perception of, of how you think that they want you to play it, yeah. and it can't perform that way. That seems like it's. I mean, I was just reading through the reviews, and you were. I mean, the reviews are mixed at best, but that just. I don't know, man. That seems like a huge failure. Well, there's there's two different ways to play the game too. Like if you're playing by yourself, you can do these these things called sync shots where so like every time that you go up to a camp it, it kind of works a lot like far cry 4 does where there's just these camps littered out throughout the throughout the map and you can go attack them and take them over if you're playing by yourself you can actually make the ai you can you can use a drone to like go up and like find all of the enemies that are in the area and it's this very overpowered move where you can kill them all at once now, if you're playing online with other people, now obviously you can't have these people come into these camps and not alert them. Mm. And so it's this real weird, real weird contradiction between playing it by yourself and playing it online. It, you're very, very overpowered, and the game is very, very easy by yourself. But when you're playing it online with a, with other people, like it actually becomes a little bit more difficult. I, I I've never I've never really. Like this is gonna sound. I, you're you're probably gonna be like, what? I've never really played uh, any kind of game uh, online other than like a sports game. So I mentioned FIFA uh, and Madden. Like I've played online. Like, are there are, are like are, is generally speaking, do the servers run really well? For the most part, um, and it all depends on what publisher has it behind. It's it's pretty unacceptable that Ubisoft is actually putting out a lot of these games in the wild and they're actually having the trouble that they're having uh, because when you promise a game to consumers that the game is supposed to run well, like this is, this wasn't a day one problem. This was a day mm. 10 problem. You know, it's one thing where you put the game out and they're like, Oh crap. Well, everybody got online in the service crash, but uh, it just seems to be a consistent thing. Like uh, for, for honor, Ubisoft had to apologize and they gave like people that were trying to play online, for a certain weekend, they gave them some sort of bonus, but, um, Jeez. but I mean, that's the, it's the best that you can do. So, um, it, like I said, the game, I, I wanted to review it because I've never played any of them. Uh, it, it, I think that there is some fun to be had in it. I just didn't have any. That, um, that's unfortunate. I, I 
was kind of looking forward to see what you'd say about it. I, I kind of read up on it, like after you had mentioned that you were gonna that you wanted to talk about it, and it sounded intriguing. Like I was just like the idea behind it. I think is kind of cool, but it doesn't sound like the execution really pays off to the idea. Yeah, I mean the story isn't all that great. The voice acting is not all that great. Um, and the missions are just kind of things that we've seen in the past. Very much like it's very much littered with a lot of different things that we've seen before where you're driving and, hey, take over this caravan that has weapons in it mm. and you can crash it, crash it into a ravine or, hey, take over this map. It's what they're pushing for is <laughs> I don't know why I'm all of a sudden going to compare it to this, but. Hey, a burrito store opened up down the street from me, and their big claim to fame was we burrito we deliver burritos until three in the morning. Guess what? Nobody gives a shit if the burritos aren't any good. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you if you introduce a new play style to an average video game, people aren't going to respond. So uh, it's just it, there's so much good. Like the video game landscape right now is just it's rich. It's ah, you know, like there's just so much. Like I have. I, I, there's two games, there's two games right now that I'm currently playing and, and I'm currently looking forward to, you know, what's coming up in the, there's just so much AAA stuff that's coming out. So when a game that's six or seven comes out, they really have to rely on their loyal fan base. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, man, this has been fun. I've had a lot of fun. It has been fun. Do you guys uh, do? Do the good people at Midnight Film Review ever have like a like a closing bit, or, or are you just going to leave me hanging here? Well, we're at the hour and a half. No, we don't usually. I mean, so wait, are you saying that you don't listen to my show, Chunk? No, no, I do listen to your show. Never mind. Rewind that. <laughs> no, we usually uh, we usually just talk about next week. I mean, so I think this. I mean. You know, it's up to you, but I, I think this is a great opportunity to to plug our shows and tell everybody where they can find us and expose each other to. What are you What are you guys What are you guys talking about next week? Uh, <laughs> well, it's funny you ask. Uh, we're not real sure yet. Actually, we're thinking about what mo- what movies are out there. Uh, this weekend we have three movies that are opening: Life, Chips. And there was one other movie. I can't remember what it was. Uh, and is, we, sorry, go ahead. Is Life that new sci-fi movie? Yes. That movie looks good. Like, I'm ex- I'm excited to see that movie. I think that's the one that we were leaning towards uh, was was, yeah. was that. I mean, we'll see. I, I We were kind of waiting to see what, what would have the biggest splash. Oh, Power Rangers. Power Rangers was the other one. Power uh, Rangers is getting, like, six and sevens. Uh, and... I think that very much appeals to people that actually grew up with the show. I'm, I'm happy with the things that I've read about Power Rangers because they said that it sticks to the cheesiness and the campiness of the show, which goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning with the episode is that's what you got to do with reboots. Like mm-hmm. find a way to introduce it to new audiences, but don't mess up. Don't mess up what people originally liked about it, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think life will probably be what we'll, we'll end up reviewing this weekend. So uh, I, you gotta I, like Jake. You gotta like Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal and Ryan Reynolds in space. Uh, they might. Yeah, they might it, do it. And I hate you guys for not being interested in the new Alien movie. By the way, it's listen. It's not that we're not interested. I've been just burnt by Ridley Scott too many times. You, yeah. you didn't like Prometheus. No, I didn't like Prometheus. My fan, my my fanboy goggles are just on. You know, like 
they say that a new alien movie is coming out and the next thing I know I'm 15 years old and I'm watching <laughs> alien resurrection and I go home and I go, what the, what was that? <laughs> Listen, there's nothing I want more in this world than for this movie to be good. I want it oh, to yeah. be good so bad. Oh yeah. Freddy Krueger was also a child molester. What? <laughs> <laughs> the aliens are child molesters. What? Uh, well, what Brian, you, what hey, you guys got going? Brian, well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Like I, I get so I I, just, I have to yap once a week, and uh, we we were unfortunate enough to lose our last episode, but we're gonna we're gonna redo it at some point next week. We are actually it's our TMNT episode, so we are gonna actually gonna review um, the original uh, arcade game. We're gonna talk about the movies just because I'm having my brother-in-law on Tony, and he's a Ninja Turtle fan. I'm a Ninja Turtle fan. Dinger Dog's a Ninja Turtle. Who isn't a Ninja exactly, Turtle fan? Yes. You know, like. Who isn't a Ninja Turtle fan? We're not going to try to get too bogged down. I think we're just going to talk about the first film because, I mean, that's what you got to talk about. And yeah. then I'm also going to try to play uh, Mass Effect Andromeda this week uh, to try to get a good grasp on what, what that game is all about. But, um, dude, thank you so much for having me on your show. If you if you enjoy video games at all, um, I yap with another dude. He's my best friend. His name is Dinger Dog. Uh, you can email us any questions at afternoonyap at gmail.com. You can follow us um, on Twitter at afternoon underscore yap. And we do a weekly podcast about video games and we do a lot of comedy stuff. And it's mostly stuff like this. But Brian, thank you so much, bud. Yeah, it was great having you on. We need to do this again sometime. Maybe. Um... Maybe the next horror movie that comes out that tickles her. Maybe I'll have you on. Maybe we can do this again for Alien. I would love that. And you know what's going to end up happening is it's going to be like a Saturday night at 2 in the morning, and I'm going to have too many Guinnesses, and I'm going to call <laughs> you. I'm going to be like, hook up. Hook up your Skype. <laughs> like, I want to yap at you right now about film. And then you'll ask me, like, an important film question, and I'll be like, I know nothing. I, I, don't, I don't know how to express myself when it comes to film. With video games, I know how to express myself. Right. But with, with film, I'm just like – uh hey you know what i got one more thing to say uh when you said what would be a funny reboot and then you guys did a sketch about like like a ridiculous reboot they, they ought to just reboot pulp fiction see how much <laughs> that pisses off people shot for shot actor for actor I can't, line I can't, for line i can't wait till colin hears this one he might he might commit suicide hopefully not but he might um yep. thanks again for being on the show you you can check out our show midnight film review uh Midnight film review at gmail.com. If you want to email us, uh, we will read your emails live on the air. We, we will read just about anything. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Brian Stevens KP. Um, I think that's going to do it. You, you want to say au revoir to everyone? Uh, yep. Love you. Thanks. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate yep. it. All right. We'll catch you on the flip side.